Welcome to Back of House, Front of Mind, presented by Healthy Mind Menu. I am Angela. And I'm Paisley, and we will be your hosts. Healthy Mind Menu is an industry-led initiative that recognises a key ingredient in hospitality is its people. Our mission is to improve the lives and normalise conversations around mental health for those working in the hospitality industry. Each episode, we'll be diving into different topics related to mental health and chatting with experts and friends in the industry. So join us, sit back, and let's make sure mental health in the hospitality industry is always on the menu. You can visit our website at healthymindmenu.au for more resources and information, and also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Healthy Mind Menu. Before we start this podcast, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land on which we are recording today, the Wadjuk people. We would like to acknowledge their elders past and present. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Today we have joining us James Connolly. James has opened and launched over 15 bars and venues. He's about to launch his very own. He's previously worked with Arc Hospitality, Long Chim, Como Hotel Perth, Rise Hotel Seoul, Crown Resorts Melbourne, and much more. He has sold over 750,000 of his cocktail creations over the world in the last five years, has been the top 25 bartenders in Australia three years in the running, has been one of the top 10 most influential Australian bar personalities in Australian Bartenders Magazine, and has been winner, runner-up, and finalist in over 25 state, national, and international cocktail competitions. And importantly, he has trained and mentored over 400 bartenders. So he is helping the hospitality industry of tomorrow. Thank you for joining us today, James. Yeah, you're welcome. It's an honour to be here. Um, honour to be asked to be be on the podcast. Hi, thank you. Uh, we've got to start basic. Tell us how you spend your days. Well, currently, well, I'm opening a new bar. So I try, try and spend a bit of time down there. Tradies are there currently so not keeping an eye on them just around in case they have any questions or anything needs doing doing some work on on that as well i've got a beautiful wife and two children and then doing working at a, a mexican bar that opened 10 years ago called el publico so i'm there four days a week and i do some consulting and training and then i try and fit in some me time as well and how do you fit in me time amongst all of that my my wife is very understanding i'm uh i was joking with angela that i'd get some cricket references in here <laughs> i'm actually a, a cricket tragic so i try and play as much cricket watch as much cricket anything cricket as possible where does the love of cricket come from did you play cricket growing up not really no <laughs> i grew up in england where like <laughs> soccer football is the number one sport and you know we don't have the best weather for cricket but uh, it's just something i always enjoyed i think it's the mental aspect more than anything a lot of people think cricket is the most boring sport on the planet but um i I find it fascinating in many many regards well reading through your introductions you you have an extremely impressive career in hospitality it's amazing and i guess i'm just curious like what what got you started in hospitality? Is that something you were always driven to do? Did it kind of come out left of field? Are we doing sporting references? No, no. <laughs> we'll get some more. We'll get some more cricket. Okay. Cricket references in later. I worked in hospitality a bit when I was young, like eighteen, nineteen, mainly like in kitchens in like English pubs, and 
also worked at the Working Man's Club where my dad was a member. So in the UK, a Working Man's Club is, I guess, similar to like a uh, RSL or like a leagues club type thing where you have to be a member, you get cheap drinks and people just go there, hang out and, you know, put stuff on for them, which was an experience, mostly just serving pints and gin and tonics and, and, and stuff like that. But when I when I moved to Australia in 2017, um, I've been working in the pharmaceutical industry for about 10 years. And when I got here, the only person I really knew here was my sister, who was conveniently not here, uh, which was supposed to be, but wasn't. So I was, I was literally here on my own. So I was like, I've got to find a job where I'm going to get to, you know, meet people. And I thought hospitality was probably the best aspect to go down, you know, because essentially it's hard. It's a people industry. And so I thought that was a really great way to get into it. And then I, I think I saw an ad in the paper. Uh, I was living in Mount Lawley at the time and it was for like a glassy or a bar back at, at Must Wine Bar. So phoned up. I was like 27 at the time. So it was probably like the oldest bar back in, in, in Australia <laughs> maybe. And went down and met Russell Blakey. And they were like, yeah, yeah, sure. You can, you know, you can start. And like I knew nothing about wine very little like i i literally used to just drink fosters and vodka and orange were like my my two drinks of choice very english <laughs> i know knew nothing about wine nothing about spirits didn't really know much about beer never never really made a cocktail before in my life yeah like i just sort of started bar backing and like sort of watched what the guys were doing and what they needed and then they started to train me up and I guess it just went from there. So how did it start from there to then, not all around the world, but you've worked in so many different places in so many different styles of venue as well. What was it that really grabbed you and pulled you in and kept you there? I was doing a training last night and I was like just sort of telling the guys I was training like all the sort of places I've worked and you know, I was like fine dining, I've worked in wine bars, big pubs, nightclubs, you know, like casual dining, worked for Michelin starred chefs, worked in gin bars, rum bars, you know, like when when I think about it, like tequila bars, like the the scope is actually quite big. But um, I guess for a while, like hospitality was not only my job, but it was like bars and booze and cocktails was also like my my hobby as well. So I think it's Bill Gates who said, find find a job you love and you'll never work a a day in the the rest of your life. I'm not sure that's 100% true, but uh, for a long time there, that was literally everything that I was consumed with revolved around bars and bartending and booze and yeah, so um, I guess that kept me at it for a, for a long time because I was genuinely interested in the elements of it, the cocktails and the booze side of things as well. You mean in terms of the creation and mixology? So it's also a lot, a lot of history, like especially around, around cocktails, I've always genuinely been interested in history and a lot of the drinks you know they have this amazing history and like a lot of people don't realize that alcohol through the ages has played a like a major factor in not just people having fun but like politics and and world history you know like it's obviously had done a lot of damage as well but it's also led to things like civilizations growing and stuff like that so it's it's as much as we may not like it it's had a very important role to play in in humanity. Yeah, that's really interesting. And we focus on mental well-being. And so obviously there's a really great conversation we can have around what is what is the healthy use of alcohol? What's the balance point and your experience with that um, and how that can go both ways? It can be something that unites the team and can be a bit of fun, 
or it can be get really out of hand and, and people can struggle there. So what's your experience with that? Speaking from personal experience, it's very easy to get into that sort of cycle where you finish work, everyone has a few drinks and then the next day you're, you're like kind of hungover, you go to work, maybe everyone's hungover so like you've got that kind of bonding experience and then you finish work again because you're all hungover, you're like mm. oh, let's get drunk again and then on your days off you're all meeting up to get drunk again you know, or there might be events on where there's free booze and food or whatever and so you go to or there's a hospo night or there's any of these these things and before you know it, you could go a long time without having alcohol-free days, which, you know, and then that obviously leads to other issues down down the down the track in terms of, you know, like we're talking about, like mental health and stuff like that. Like it's it's not healthy for anyone to, to go that amount of time without, you know, having a decent break from drinking. So you've mentioned that it's something that you've learnt the hard way over a prolonged period. What did that look like for you? That sort of cycle that it's, it's very easy to get into when you drink too much probably don't sleep that well so then you're like you're hungover you're tired you're grumpy and that flows on into personal night life sometimes your your work life as well when you finish work like I'm gonna have a beer now because like I want to feel better and then rinse repeat before you know it it's like an extended period of time and it's really important that you find ways to have that circuit breaker that is going to enable you to realise that there's more to life than working and drinking, like, mm. which for a large period of time was potentially what was happening. Yeah, I'm a big fan of finding the balance in things and not being harsh or cutting things out, like demonising alcohol. or And I think we're coming up to this in all sorts of areas, particularly with the legalisation of different drugs coming in as well. But that we can appreciate fine wine, beautiful cocktails and not cut them out or abuse them or demonise them, you know, finding the balance to be able to incorporate it into our lives in a nice, healthy way. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes as a bartender, you're like a kid in a candy store, right? You've got all these (laughs) options around you and all these people like, you know, like try this, drink this, you know, you go to bars and you want to try like their new cocktails or the new beer that they've got on tack and because you're genuinely interested in what things taste like and the difference in in these things and then it's very easy to to get sucked into it all whereas like you say like a a healthy relationship with alcohol you know like whether it's fine wine or craft beer or beautiful spirits or cocktails like it's it's really important to 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 have that and it's very easy to like demonize alcohol but a lot of the time it's probably more the person than the alcohol the alcohol itself like you need to have Mm -hmm. those control measures in place on a personal level governments etc can legislate as much as they want you still can't stop people doing things if they really want to want to do them right yeah absolutely and what are some of the changes that you have implemented to shift away from alcohol if you have (laughs) (laughs) again not demonizing it because we all love a fine wine and we all we all celebrate schooner tuesday so balance yes how do you find the balance i try and make sure that i have at least two alcohol three days a week and then a, a lot of days like i might have you know like if I've been playing sports, like cricket, for example, <laughs> I might have a beer after after cricket or, or, or something like that. I generally don't stick around for like staffies or go out after work anymore. And I find that that, that really, really helps. Like probably about three years ago now, I, I went 100 days without drinking, which was a really good circuit breaker for me because it made realise I'm like, 
you know, people are like, I haven't drunk for so long, I feel so good. And I was kind of like waiting, waiting, mm-hmm. waiting. I was like, when, do, when does this kick in? And then I remember it was after about three weeks and suddenly your mind's clear and it's like everything feels brighter. Definitely changed my thoughts and how I treated alcohol. I became an expert on non-alcoholic beers apparently as well. <laughs> so um, we're talking about non-alcoholic products and, you know, some people, you know, they're like, oh, it's a waste of waste of money or they, or they don't get it. But sometimes you're really banging for a beer after, you know, doing X, whatever, whatever it is, and just have like a couple of those 0% beers and it's actually like almost like a placebo effect and mm. and it quickly quells that you know and then you're actually after two of them you're like i don't, I don't need these either but you know like it's um yeah. it's a really good thing and perth's now got its own dedicated alcohol-free bottle store so I, s- I saw that yeah we will be having a chat with rachel on the podcast in yep. an upcoming episode it excites me just the new changes coming in and what people are wanting and seeing them action that and it's exciting because to me, I think when you can find the balance in things, you get longevity. You get to enjoy it, savour it for longer in a healthy way. 100%. 100%. These non-alcoholic products now, like the sales of them is just incredible. Like, So people are on generally like taking better care of themselves, both physically and, and mentally. Like, and, and you see that like across the bar, like what people are ordering and the the frequency of the ordering and you know like like during the week you're probably selling more non-alcoholic options than you than you would have done previously i think on weekends people are still like getting loose as mm. as as you yeah. as you would on a general whole, whole level like it definitely there's definitely a lot more balance to people's lifestyles i think yeah it's interesting and it's good to see 100 percent. and a lot of people have typically used alcohol as a way to handle stress and negative emotions what's a way that you handle stress and negative emotions yeah that's a that's a really good question hospitality is hard like uh when you're when you're working behind the bar in the kitchen on the floor it's we're not brain surgeons but we're still like it's a it's a high pressure industry you know like there's something sort of primordial i think is probably the word where people want food and and drink and if you're the person that's stopping them getting in the way of that food and <laughs> food and drink this like inner instinct comes out that you're like that enemy type thing which sometimes makes people lose their minds and you know they're paying good money so they expect a certain level of start you know like level of service and quality and stuff like that so when you're trying to achieve something along those lines like it can be quite high pressure but I, I've found over the years that like getting stressed doesn't help anyone especially like the rest of the the team I'm t- taking uh, a lot of <laughs> deep breath sometimes and uh just calming yourself and like the way that you approach the situation can totally change something that's potentially going to be a negative into a positive you know like instead of saying I don't like it or this really annoys me you say I really like it in future if we could try and do it this way and so something that you know that and that's one of the ways that I try and turn something that would potentially be a massive frustration for me into something that's positive for both myself and the you know the person I'm working with or persons I'm working with to try and make us better for the next time and uh, you mentioned that you're opening a venue trying <laughs> trying <laughs> trying <laughs> trying which I'm I'm really excited about it's gonna be great it's in 
it's in Batten Dean, which is a, a really great community. And I think that um, once we get the venue open, that's going to be a, a major, major thing. Like, I'm not very good at waiting. I like those home makeover shows where they <laughs> that takes like half an hour and you see the thing beforehand and then they wave the magic wand and it's done. That's how good I am. That's the sort of thing that I, I would like to happen, but I know it's going to take a bit longer than that. Oh, we hope to see the highlight reel on your Instagram then before <laughs> <Okay>. and after shots. <laughs> so what's your vision for the venue? Like what kind of, what are you hoping to create there? Great food, great drinks, like a really beautiful venue and great service. I mean, it's kind of like that sort of fire triangle of hospitality. If you've got good food, good drinks, good service, like you should do well in, in theory. Then it comes down to lots of other things like how well you sort of train train your staff to be able to deliver those things like see people that spend millions of dollars on a fit out with a venue and then not spend any time or energy training staff and then people come in and they get a bad experience and they're like you know you just spent five million bucks fixing this place up and haven't spent any money sort of helping the staff and then it's also the thing that like when you train staff it gives them knowledge and power that means they don't get stressed in high pressure situations because they've got skills and knowledge to fall back on whereas like just chuck an 18 year old kid in and go off you go mate like it's like so stressful yeah you're just basically setting them up for failure and so when you look at some of the sort of bigger companies especially in like the hospitality industry that they all they all have great training plans they all have great induction plans because they know that these are are what are going to make their business successful because you know, like I was a cliche like the biggest investment you can make in any venues in the staff right it's very true the the more time you spend with these people giving them skills whether it's interpersonal skills or whether it's you know service skills like any of these things it's it's going to make them better and they're therefore the venue will be better and the business will be better and so it's got a flow on effect yeah, I mean, you sort of mentioned that when you jumped into hospitality, you were learning as you go, watching and, you know, learning from others in your environment, but you've obviously done some training as well. Are there any great mentors or training programs that you've participated in and what was your experience with that? I was I was really lucky at Must where um, I had a couple of great trainers. One of them, uh, Zach, he, he really looked after me and helped me and, and taught me a lot of things and Saxon like a, was an American guy and one of the things that sort of picked up from him was like you know you don't have to be the the best bartender in the world but like he was the guy that if he walked into the bar everyone wanted to be served by him because he had such great people skills mm. and so you know like when you talk about the hospitality industry it's essentially a, a people industry like it's about that in interaction you know and like you sort of see like a, a lot of these like order at the table apps and stuff now which are which are great, like, uh, you know, like if you don't want to get up, but like, I like to, I like to. <laughs> That's why we go out, not to get up. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like to go up to the bar and, you know, have an interaction with a, another human being or a bartender or, or what it, you know, like or whether it's a waiter coming over to your, your table, like that's, surely that's why we go out for you know, I might as well sit at home and order Uber Eats. Like services are such a key component of the the industry that sometimes gets ignored, I reckon. Yeah, that's an interesting point. It's so nice to be able to go out and be surrounded with other people. And 
whenever I've gone out with my partner or friends, if somebody, if one of the staff members is really interactive or has a joke, it tends to be the highlight of the experience. It's like the friend you didn't know you needed. Exactly. We use you for training sometimes and uh, running bar courses and a lot of that focus is around the customer service piece, but that's really what instills the confidence in the the students or the participants in being able to enter the industry. 100%. I mean, like you could, you can go somewhere and, you know, maybe food's okay and maybe the drinks are slow, but if you get good customer service, you know, like you'll, you'll forgive that. Whereas if you get rubbish service, you know, and great food, it doesn't make the food, it doesn't mm. make the experience any better. Whereas if your waiter's lovely and tries their best type things, people will always like comment about that. Whereas if the food's rubbish like then and and the service is rubbish then you've got you got no chance so even nowadays because we're so engaged with like social media you know like our, our devices or whatever people people sometimes don't know how to talk to other people like i remember i was doing the jobs fair with angela is it jobs fair is it, that what it, it was a jobs fair yeah the perth convention and you know like you've got some of these um kids walking past and like their, their mum and dad see the hospitality stand and you can see them like like trying to shuffle them past like because they're <laughs> yeah. like you know like oh they first of all asked uh what we were making and yeah. if there were any free food and drinks yeah. and then no i'll keep walking the, the the point i'm trying to get to is it doesn't matter what job you end up doing whether you're you know a lawyer a doctor being able to talk to people which is something that i believe you you learn in the hospitality industry is so important and would my children be working in the hospitality industry absolutely i'd make them do at least six months just so they you know they sort of get that that grounding of how to talk to people how to meet people from all walks of life and work with so many different people as well and like some you know and get get that experience like i think it's i think it's so so important it does actually get uh, spoken about a lot in the kind of health professions industry about working in hospitality to actually improve your bedside manner. Um, maybe that's kind of a program we could create. Yeah, the, the bar side manner to yes. improve your bedside manner. Well, it's a life skill it that is. you can take around the world. Because you don't, like, you can't choose the customer you're going to get. That's that's not how it works. You need to be able to work I, I don't, with everybody. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I reckon now I can... You spot a spot a troublemaker and on Are they wearing red shoes. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <stop>. <laughs> <laughs> red shoes. Yeah, sometimes you can you can just tell you can like this this person. I don't know, like if you think about it, like if you work behind a bar for fifty hours a week, for example, you might meet or serve a thousand let's say you serve a thousand people over that, that about fifty hours a week behind like even subconsciously you're gonna start mm. to like pick up body language and, you know, sort of uh social cues and stuff like that that you you may not consciously think about but you you're gonna start to look at look at some sometimes and be like there's, there's something happening here that you know might potentially be a problem yeah so why are parents ushering their kids away from the hospital hospitality stand like what is why is that still happening when it's got so much to offer potentially like well i've seen a few few people that have um started degrees and then worked in bartending and then turn around to their parents and said, oh, I don't want to do my degree anymore. I want to be a bartender. And the parents are like, no. I don't <laughs> want to live your dreams anymore, mum and dad, actually, yeah. like my own life. <laughs> I think that sometimes even, uh, maybe not now because I'm quite old, but like any, people don't see hospitality as a career as as, as much as they should. Like uh, younger people sometimes, they might be working in hospitality full, full time and that's what they've chosen to do. 
and they'll get asked like, oh, what's your real job or what are you, what are you studying? People people don't see it as a as a viable career and sometimes it gets like a bit of a beat up in the the press as well you know like where whatever whatever the the negative reasons around it are and so i don't think sometimes it's seen as a as a viable career whereas like i've been working in hospitality for 15 16 years and you know i've been incredibly lucky with some of the things i've i've got to do yeah i've pretty much loved every minute of it so like it's uh, i guess it's a misconception about what hospitality can can do and that's kind of what we're trying to do at the jobs fair is to show people that you know like you can have a great career in hospitality not only deliver great experiences to to guests also have great experiences in yourself you're not always in a dark room down the back polishing glasses or washing pots and pans and stuff like that there's also like some really great opportunities yeah and they might start at those in the back polishing glasses <laughs> positions as as they did with you starting as yeah. classy but they'll take you places and that's what's important i remember working in a kitchen once we had a contestant that i, I wasn't working in one of our kitchens um we had a contestant that was on one of these like cooking shows of master chef or, or whatever and this contestant seemed to think that they were going to be up the front, like plating up the food and like cooling the past type thing. And it was like, no, you're down the back picking, <laughs> peeling garlic for like two days nonstop. Because yeah. that's what happens in, in, in kitchens when you start out. Like no one just walks up to the front and it's like, I'm, I'm the head chef now. Yeah. So like you'll have to start somewhere, I guess. And I always say that like barbacks and glasses make the best bartenders because they work out how the they learn how the bar works and then so when it's their their time to be a bartender they they have an understanding of you know what they need to do to be able to make the the bar better so one of our key pillars of healthy mind menu is connectedness and obviously there's a very close knit uh, bartender team specifically kind of across Perth and WA. Uh, tell us a bit about the WA bartenders community and even inside the, the Facebook group. I, I, I'm not a bartender, but I'm in the group and I see a lot of that close connection and that community piece and uh, really bringing people together. For a while, it was like it was quite wild on there, but uh, it seemed to have <laughs> calmed, calmed that down a bit now. And there's some really great communities out there i know there's um specifically some for wellness and like there's a couple of people that are really into this sort of uh, into the wellness side of hospitality you know like like essentially what we're talking about now they're, they're running seminars and and workshops and stuff like that for for people that work in hospitality to attend to learn some new life skills outside of pouring beers and shaking drinks what does like a week look like for you is it stable and predictable is it always changing and if it is always changing or mixing how do you manage that um, particularly with your relationships at home as well sometimes I hear about the isolation or not being able to catch up with your partner or friends that aren't in the industry it can tend to be all consuming and focused have you managed to find that balance for yourself and now more and more people are looking for that that work lifestyle balance which is sometimes hard in hospitality because like go time is Friday Friday, Saturday nights, you know, and sometimes find that um, some people are like, I don't, I don't want to work Friday, Saturday nights, and you're like, um, I'm not sure this is potentially the, the right job for you because that's when we're at our busiest is when people wanna, want to want to go out. I'm really lucky to be in a, in a position where I take my kids to school probably most four mornings out of five. I, I try not to work Sundays, which we're 
won't like put aside as as family day so we all just hang out and do stuff together my my wife for example works office hours so like sometimes that that can be hard and whatever it is so like we just try and make sure that everyone's happy as much as as much as possible sometimes it's hard but like having a routine is super important in terms of the balance of the family as well how will you be bringing that into the new business venture that is a very good question um, I'm, I'm sure if this was live streamed, that your wife would be listening in right now. <laughs> She's like, "Go on, tell me. <laughs> Let's hear it." <laughs> I think we're we're all of the understanding that there's going to be a, a certain amount of hard yards to to be done. Um, I've been with my wife for over ten years, and over that time, probably opened I don't know fifteen venues, say. And so she she's and she's also ex hospitality as well. So she's very understanding, and she appreciates that you know there's these periods where sometimes like work will be more cons- consuming for, than home life but I haven't opened a venue in a while and I think I've got a better understanding of what's required of myself in terms of balance now that um, it shouldn't be as hard on her as it has been proved. Opening a venue is a lot of hard work like I can remember sometimes I remember which venue like I think it might have been one in the one of the ones in the city and we did we did like 18 18 days straight from like it was tw- 18 12 hour days in a row or something like that and you know and then when you finish work like you come home and everyone wants your attention and you're just tired and like it's really hard to sort of give everyone the attention they deserve when you're exhausted and all you want to do is fall asleep or not talk to anyone so like it's looking at your history and a lot of the travel different venues places that you've worked do you have any like insane stories i won a a national cocktail competition once for this um gin gin mare and they flew myself from perth to barcelona and they put me up in a hotel in barcelona for two days then they flew us out to ibiza and there was a, a villa in ibiza it was like 25 bartenders all just there for this cocktail competition, all from around the world. Uh, there was like a few minor, minor celebrities and stuff there. And we were basically making cocktails on a next to an infinity pool, looking out over the Mediterranean Ocean for an afternoon. And that night they took us down to the beach. We made some cocktails on the beach behind a bar. And then they flew me on to London so I could go home for a couple of days and then flew flew me back to Perth and I was like you know and that was basically from making a couple of drinks and and jumping jumping up on stage and and pre- presenting them and like when when you tell people things like that they're just like booze <laughs> brands do that like I've made cocktails a couple of times in the middle of on boats in the middle of like Sydney Harbour like under the Harbour Bridge we we had a, a cocktail competition on a boat once and there was a, another one where it was for um like a Belvedere and it was like a James Bond themed cocktail competition so they took us out on this like pleasure yacht into the middle of Sydney Harbour at night and then the James Bond music started playing (laughs) and then it's like military boat came like did laps of our boat and then this bloke jumped off in like a tuxedo and like handed over the the name of the winner of the cocktail competition like it's like and sometimes you're like it's just like mental, Wild. Like mental. Yeah, yeah. What's the pressure like in competition time? Are you competing on? Obviously, there's there's lots of different parts. There's the taste. There's, I guess, the creativity in terms of what you're coming up with. Originality, time pressure. What's it like? Believe it or not, I'm actually a bit of an introvert. So, like, 
public speaking, getting up on stage or anything like that is actually a fairly big deal for me sometimes. And so, like, I always used to just have to, like, hype myself up and think, you know, like, you've just got to do this for 10 minutes and then and then you you can relax. Mrs Connolly will tell you that the day of whenever there was a cocktail competition or, or probably the whole week leading into it, I was a absolute nightmare to live with because I would just be kind of focusing on, on that. Yeah, look, it's a lot of pressure, but it's also a lot of fun as well. Like, if probably shouldn't do them if you don't, don't want to enjoy it. And, you know, like, sometimes you make a mistake and it might mean that you, you don't win. Sometimes someone else might make a mistake and it might mean that, that you win. Um, but on the whole, like, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I don't really do those things too much anymore just because I don't have time to devote to it. But, like, there's some re- really amazing prizes and opportunities that bartenders can get from being in these things. You know, like, sometimes it's, like, life-changing for, for some of these people. I'm not, like, talking, like, millions of dollars, but, like, there's a career path that may come come off it that or you know, like uh, job opportunities and stuff like that that, you know, can really, really set them up. And what's the most insane cocktail that you've made? I was reading in a book recently, one about a um, Melbourne bar that made truffle martinis. It was truffle. <laughs> basically just to, you know, raise the price of the, the cocktail. And I'm sure there are a few Melbournians that... Uh, would love to order a truffle martini, but apparently it was disgusting. Right. So <laughs> people who love truffle just put truffle in everything. It's like, how can I incorporate this uh, in yeah. everything? Truffle's one of those things, like it's great on food, yeah. but like it doesn't no. work in, in my experience no. anyway. Every time someone's told me they've put truffles in like something, I'm like, Why? Just imagining the dirty Why? smell, kind yeah. of that earthy. <laughs> yeah. A few bars have done it where like you order a martini and like the martini, and it's like $750 because it's with, you know, fancy vodka and you know all these other elements but then like the the um skewer that they put the olives on for example is like a diamond encrusted you know and that's what you're you're paying the money for but the (laughs) the most insane cocktail i've ever made it's probably just using like taking something really simple like a, a margarita and then using like a stupidly expensive tequila in it and you know like um something that, you know, like making something, uh, let's say it's a hundred bucks a nip and, you know, putting two nips in there and like, so making a $200 margarita and you're like, oh, how good is this actually going to be? And then you taste it and you're like, that's actually pretty good. (laughs) Would I pay $200 for it? No. But is it delicious? Yes. Makes me a bit thirsty as well. I'm getting thirsty now. (laughs) Yeah. Margaritas. Yeah. One to end on, what does healthy hospitality mean to you? What does healthy hospitality mean Especially like, coming into opening a venue of your own. Younger people that are, I talk to in the industry, like I always tell them how important it is to have alcohol-free days. Like I was, I'm like, you, you, you just got to, otherwise you, you're going to end up burnt out and with a lot of other issues as well. Balance is is really important you know getting that work lifestyle balance right and you know there might maybe periods where sometimes it's a bit off but then you know that you sometimes you've got to take the rough with the smooth as well there'll be times where you know you maybe you've got too much family time imagine <laughs> that can happen i think respect in the workplace is, is really important make sure you're working for the right people as well like the like you can end up in like some workplaces where it's it's not as aimed towards you know like everyone's well-being as as potentially it could be so um i think it's really important that everyone feels valued 
um, that everyone's got a great work lifestyle balance, and that you know everyone's like try and enjoy yourself as well, right? Like, yeah. Life's life's too short to work a job that you don't like. I reckon the youngest crew coming up into the workforce, yeah, they uh, they live that philosophy. <laughs> it ain't good; they're out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's almost like uh, as much as employers are shopping for employees, employees are also like shopping for em- employers as well. Because the job market, the way it is at the moment, like that, they can come in and you know they don't like your shoes. They probably they might not work <laughs> for you. Um, you'd hope it's something more deeper than that but like yeah like they don't come. like cricket or something yeah they wouldn't get a job anyway <laughs> and then cut um it's funny because at where i work at el publico we've got like a lot of international students so there's like mexicans there's some uh chilean chileans and like french people and they're like what, what have you been doing today and i'm like playing cricket and they're just like what <laughs> Such an alien, alien yeah. sport to them. The fact that I can go and spend six hours on a Saturday in a hot, dusty field somewhere trying to play cricket and then and then go to work, they're like, that's just mental. Yeah, that's your choice now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a 38-degree day, a beautiful, fair skin, standing standing in, in the sun all day. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on and sharing your insight and some tips as well with our audience, especially those who you know, might be really struggling to find that balance or feel peer pressured to drink in order to connect. I think it's really nice to get some insights and positive leadership in that area. Having said that, we can't wait for your venue to open to come in for a $200 margarita. <laughs> me, me too. Um, <laughs> I don't mean there'll be any $200 margaritas on, on, on the menu, but um, we'll definitely look forward to serving you both. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. They say that you're only as good as the content you consume. So thank you for making the healthy decision to listen to Back of House, Front of Mind today, presented by Healthy Mind Menu. If you liked this episode, be sure to subscribe and also follow us on social media. If you know somebody who may benefit from this podcast, please share with them. See you at the next one.